from the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, you'll find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild. Hello, Trail Tailers. I'm Sean Sobon, and this is Season 4, Episode 19 of Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast. Today, we have a conversation with Alex Maycock. We do some coach talk, and we bring you the conclusion of the creatine experiment. It's been a while coming, and glad to share all our findings with you in a little bit. Before we get into that, I want to answer a question I got from a listener, Dennis Herman. If you haven't heard Dennis, he was a guest on the show a few seasons back, so check that out if you'd like to hear Dennis's story. But Dennis reached out to me recently asking about breathing techniques while running. He had mentioned that he'd been having some difficulties um, a little bit later in his run where his breathing got quite labored and he was gassed. Um, so he reached out and asked if I had any suggestions for him for breathing techniques. And Dennis, thank you so much for reaching out and giving me that question. And it's actually a question I get asked quite a bit and one that I also see on running forums. And what I'd say is, Dennis, it's all about rhythm. Rhythm between your breathing and your body movement. Uh, what am I talking about here? Well, to put it in a practical sense, if let's say, for example, you know, you're running at a nice, easy pace. So something conversational, not too strenuous. Um, with that kind of pace, I like to breathe in through my nose and then exhale through my mouth. And what I like to do is I'll count my footfalls. You'll have to excuse the noise in the background. That's uh, my little dog, Rosie, my 11-year-old French Bulldog Boston Terrier. She's playing with, uh, she's playing with a bone. But anyway, um, yeah, so you count your footfalls as you're breathing. So at that kind of pace, what I would do is I would use, probably count to four. So four footfalls. Breathing in through my nose and then start my exhale at the next four footfalls. In for four, out for four. And that is a really nice rhythm. It's a really nice, easy pace. It's comfortable and you're not going to really get too gassed going at that. Um, and I'm saying easy pace because what your easy pace might look like could be different from mine, could be, you know, which is different from runner A, which is different from runner B, and so on and so forth. So, you know, whatever your easy pace is, try that. Um, you know, if you pick it up a little bit, but you're still not getting to the point where you're like really running hard, then you might want to do it for three breaths, right? So you're breathing a little bit faster. So in for three, out for three. And at that point, if you're working a little harder, you may just want to transition to breathing through your mouth exclusively, you know, and even at that easy pace of refining, you're not getting enough air in through your nose, just breathe through your mouth. It doesn't really matter. Whatever's comfortable for you. And then Let's switch the pace up here. Let's say you're working hard, you're doing a race or you're doing a time trial or a tempo run or something. Now, with that in mind and you're running faster and harder, your cadence or your turnover rate of your feet is going to be increased. So you're actually going to be breathing more likely um, with a higher count of footfalls. So let's say your easy pace is four footfalls. If you're running at a faster pace and you're working harder and your feet are turning over faster, it might be six footfalls or seven footfalls, you know, and you're breathing in and out through those footfalls. But as long as you're, you're counting the footfalls and it's even in, even out, you're going to be in a nice rhythm and really maximizing um, your performance at that point. And Dennis, I think that's 
a good place to start um, with breathing and, and try that out. Try out the different counts, try out the different paces and see what it does for you. And it might allow you to go for a little bit longer without getting super winded. And obviously, you know, um, the more you run, the more condition you're going to get and build up your, your mitochondria and your capillaries and your body will be able to utilize oxygen a lot easier. So I hope that answers your question, Dennis. Try out those techniques. Get back to me. Let me know how it goes. I'm sure the rest of us would like to hear. And with that, if anybody else has any running-related questions, feel free to reach out to me, uh, trailtailsarp at gmail.com, trail underscore tails underscore arp is my instagram handle and you can even find me on linkedin at, as sean sobon or on the book face as coach jeff likes to say or facebook uh it's reversed so sobon sean you can see me there my my uh, profile picture is a picture of me and piper um so easy enough to find yeah i'd love to connect with you guys out there and um yeah that's pretty much it let's get into the show with alex maycock right now and we bring you the conclusion of the creatine experiment run wild my friends run wild This is the episode where we are going to follow up with the creatine experiment and let you know all about what happened and all of the numbers. Uh, Alex Maycock is joining us today from Thunder Bay. How are you, Alex? Good, thanks, John. Nice to be on chatting with you. I'm looking forward to hearing about how the creatine experiment went for you. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. And I must confess that... Uh, this episode has been been a long time coming and uh, Alex and I actually had a chat a few weeks ago and at some point the recording stopped and we lost the whole thing. So Alex, thanks so much for coming back on and doing this all over again. No problem. Be fun. We'll, we'll just say the first one was practice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now we have to have like a, like an awesome, awesome episode here. <laughs> so let me ask you real quick. Uh, how's, how's things in North Bay? Good. We got plenty of snow up here and I'm, I'm happy training. There's awesome classes online so i have quite a bit of free time uh just to, to hit the trails when i'm not studying so it's probably going to be the best year of school you ever had eh? uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one quick question alex before we get into the creatine experiment um i know you had mentioned before we started recording that there's no races just yet you're kind of just having fun with the sport and enjoying it but are you training like you are in season without the pressure or are you just kind of going out there and having fun yeah, for the most part, training is quite similar, actually, because there's not the racing, we're able to keep our volume a little bit higher. Okay. And not have to worry too much about that taper to peak for race weekends. Awesome. So in, in most training plans, you would, you'd pull back that volume and keep the intensity or increased intensity slightly. But this way, my, my hours are going to stay higher through the winter because I don't have to worry about um, mentally and physically tapering and peaking. So that's, mm -hmm. that's nice. That's good, man. You got to take advantage of it. Enjoy it. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're getting clobbered with snow here tonight too. So, you know, snow is everywhere. Yeah. Good stuff. So yeah, man, let's get on to the creatine experiment. So I'm just going to, I can't see you now because I pull it up on my screen, but I've got my spreadsheet here in front of me and the creatine experiment. We'll just do a quick refresher here. Um, it was it all stemmed from the article I wrote um, on the website at trailtailsarp.com talking about creatine supplementation and how it can help you actually improve your overall endurance by improving your hit 
training sessions. And there's been a lot of studying or studies and, and data showing that um, HIT training or short intensity interval training um, can actually help you or help your body mimic the same types of physiological changes as you would get with typical endurance style running in a fraction of the time. And for me, I thought, you know what, my schedule is very busy. It sounds perfect and it would be great to kind of look into this. And, you know, the theory is you supplement with creatine, you maximize your HIT training and thereby maximizing those physiological changes that you're going to get from the training and improve endurance. Um, so what I did was I started the creatine experiment. So I needed to have a baseline, Alex. So this was a five week um, commitment from myself, five week training block, if you will. Um, the first two weeks involved me running a series of 400 meter repeats and 200 meter repeats, three of each. Um, without using creatine, just on my own nutrition, whatever I was doing, and then following it up with a 5K time trial to see what I was at, to have a benchmark to compare it to the next um, two-week phase where I repeat the workouts, compare my times, and compare my 5K time trial. In between those two-week blocks, I had one week of kind of rest, like a lower-intensity a week where I was still exercising and loading up with creatine. The protocol called for uh, 20 milligrams a day for five days. And then during the creatine phase of the track work, um, I was taking five milligrams daily as a maintenance dose. So that's where we were at there. Um, there were some challenges, Alex, with the, with the whole process in and of itself. Um, in Shelburne here, we don't have an indoor track. I have an outdoor track here and, you know, starting this on November 26th, um, the ground was not snowed on at that point, I don't think anyhow. And um, as things can be unpredictable outdoors, of course, I did have to deal with snow. There were some treadmill workouts in there, which, um, you know, they were good training, but I didn't um, use their times when, when picking my best times, because I can't really compare running on a treadmill versus running on a track. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the surface for sure. When you have greater amounts of snow coming one day yeah. could be slightly different than the, uh, than the other, but I think the viewers are going to be interested to hear that positive trend you saw. Still. Yeah, there were, there were some surprises actually, which, which we're going to get into. Um, so why don't we get into the numbers now, Alex, real quick. And what I'll do is I'll just give you the best times that I had and we'll go from there. So in the first two weeks, this is the way it looked. So my first track workout was a 400 meter, um, 400 meter day. And I did five reps of that. Then the next workout was 200 meters for 10 reps and then 400 meters for five, 200 for 10, so on and so forth, until I got three of each, and then the 5K time trial. So if I'm looking at my 400 meter repeats, again, um, I'm only gonna give you the track times, not the treadmill times, because it's not a fair reflection of what I was actually doing, because the treadmill times were a little bit faster, and you got, you know, you got a belt and everything to deal with. Um, so that's just the way it is. So my 400 meter track time, um, and in the first phase, I actually only did 400 meters on the track once. The other two were treadmill because of snow. Um, so my 400 meter track is right here. And so I did that five times. My best interval 
or my best 400 meters was one minute, 28 seconds. And that was done in my first interval. And I had a mean time of one minute, 33.8 seconds um, for my 400 meters in the first phase without creatine. Moving on to the 200 meters on the track, I had my times here. So my best time was 41 seconds. Okay. And my best mean time was 43.4 seconds for the 200 meters. And oddly enough, Alex, like you had mentioned, um, talking about, you know, running on the gravel on the track, which is what we have versus snow. Um, I actually got my best mean time and I tied my best lap time uh, on the snowy covered track which I wasn't expecting. Um, I guess, you know, I switched shoes. Obviously I was using my ultra superiors, which are trail shoes. So they gripped into the snow nicely. And um, just the condition of the snow, I guess it, in and of itself, it was fairly, it was about ankle deep. And there were some footprints, I guess people had been on the track, but it wasn't like smooth or anything, but I was surprised I was able to kind of pick up the times. Now I will say this though, on my first 200 meter session where, where I hit 41 seconds. Um, I hit 41 seconds three times on that session on the gravel, whereas I only did it once on um, the other one where there was snow. But overall, my times were quicker. And that could just be from training effect as well, right? So had we not had snow, who knows what it could have been. Um, and then we'll get to the 5K time trial. So the 5K time trial was run on the road and it was just designed, it was a, a loop around my neighborhood, a one just shy of a kilometer. And there was some incline involved. So I wasn't running this like on a flat track. And I ran out for my warm up and I, I ran it kind of in both directions to see what would be the best. And what ended up happening was um, I ran it in the direction where I had a longer incline, longer, longer climb on the track. And the reason I did that was because it was either that or run into a really strong headwind. So I figured I'd pick the incline over the headwind. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't, would, yeah, that would maybe cancel it out in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate running into the wind and you know, I don't mind climbing and whatever. And so that's the way it went. Um, so the first 5k time trial, these were dry road conditions. I ran it in 23 minutes, 19 seconds, which is my second fastest 5k ever. Um, the first, my, my PR for 5k is like 2216, I believe uh, somewhere around there anyways. And it was run on a very flat surface. So, um, I was pretty happy with this time, even though it wasn't the PB, but considering the incline that I was running on very happy with it. And I ran this, um, at 96%, uh, max heart rate. So I was really given her, uh, my average pace is 440. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll go into the second week now, or sorry, the second phase of it. So now I've loaded with my creatine and I'm taking my creatine daily just to keep it, keep it up. And I start my track workouts again. So, um, I got every workout except for the last one on the track during this phase. Um, there were some, some days where there was some ice buildup underneath on one of the, um, on one of the bends on the track. So I kind of just picked, you know, picked a path where it was the least icy and just kind of kept following that line 
when I got to that area and it didn't really impede me too much. Um, so those were kind of the conditions I was dealing with and, um, very good results, I would say. So my best time for my, uh, we'll do the, the 400 meter. So my best 400 meter time was one minute, 23 seconds. Okay. So if we go back to the first phase, my best time was 128. So that's not too bad in terms of an increase in, in time, mm -hmm. um, or in speed rather. And my best mean time was one minute, 28.4 seconds for 400 meters. Which and was your best in the, the, the pre so that's yeah. nice. The whole average of that workout was 128. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, there was there's improvements here, right? And I know there's kind of training effect involved, effect involved too, but um taking the creatine, I think, certainly helped. And um I did notice during these workouts, Alex, my recovery um was improving, not only um in between my my track sessions. But in between my intervals, when I was taking my three to four minutes rest, mm -hmm. um, my recovery was faster. I was I was feeling better faster. Um, um, your heart rate was dropping quicker, like a training effect you'd see. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't pay too much attention to the heart rate um, during the interval sessions because the watch I used didn't have a very good um, I'm reading on those. Um, I think just because, you know, there's so much movement and stuff, it wasn't, wasn't picking up, but I did notice, you know, my, my breathing got a lot easier and I could feel my, my body settling down faster. So obviously with that, my heart rate's coming down as well, right? Faster. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to, to the 200 meter, uh, time. So this, this was probably my proudest moment because I really wanted to break 40 seconds for the 200 meters. I didn't do it, but what I did do was I hit 40 seconds on the, on the 200 meters and I did it three times in a row. Whereas in the first part of the, uh, creatine experiment, my best time was 41 seconds. I only did it once, um, on my best, on my best, uh, session. So I hit 40 seconds, three times in a row, and I improved my best time from, from 43.4 seconds. Uh, down to 42.3 seconds in 200 meters. Um, and then moving on to the 5K time trial. Um, now this, again, dealing with the elements and, and conditions out of my control. Um, on this 5K time trial, we had had snowfalls, several snowfalls, and the roads were snow covered. And... Um, it was harder to run my footing. I was running in different shoes, but also when I was, when I was, uh, landing with my footfall, my feet would slip when I was kind of pushing off just because of the conditions of the road. So it was a little bit harder to run and I didn't end up getting a faster time. Um, still a decent time is 24 minutes and five seconds. That was at 95% max heart rate. Um, so my average pace was 449 for that run. So nine seconds slower, um, per kilometer on average than the first run. Um, I really do feel though, Alex, just the way my body was feeling and everything had, I had the same conditions to run in as the first run, I would, I would have beat that time. And what's interesting too, Sean, is that your intervals are proportionately quicker. They were, yes. so I, I looked your average of, uh, 128.4 for the, the post creatine is 4.2 
percent better than uh, 133.8 average, and your your 200s were 2.6 percent better than uh, the pre-creatine. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, those sound like small numbers, Alex. But when you're talking running a 400 meter or 200 meter, and you're talking about like that, that could be the difference between winning and not winning. You know what I mean? Like those are pretty significant increases, I would think. Would you agree with that? For sure. And what I might add to that is um, the the more trained you become, finding those percentages become even more challenging. Your, your body's made more, more adaptations, more oxidative enzymes for long distance athletes, for example. Yeah, that's for sure. As, as you become more trained, like you just said, like elite athletes aren't going to see improvements like that. Right. right, because they're so finely tuned and so highly um, evolved in their training, it's harder to get those improvements. Right, so they're very small and incremental. But you could take an average Joe like me; I'm going to see some decent improvements. And anything you can add in the diet that might make your performance better, I think, is is a huge thing to research and see how your body responds. Oh, absolutely! I think uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to revisit this again in the summertime when the weather's better. Um, just because I, I did really enjoy it, like I enjoyed going to the track. There was some—I don't want to say fear, but there was some maybe it was almost like pre-race jitters going to the track because I knew the amount of effort I was going to put through, and I knew that. I was putting pressure on myself because I knew that I, I wanted to see improvements, right? Like I, I wanted to, to improve. That was the whole purpose of this thing. And I didn't know what it was going to be until I got to the end because you're huffing and puffing and breathing. And, and there were some times where I was like, okay, like I can't, I got to slow down here on this lap on this 400 meters. Like I'm dying here, right? Like hard to breathe. You're, 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 you're fatiguing. I'm like, no, just keep pushing, keep pushing. And it was so exciting to get home and then actually look at the numbers and compare it to the previous previous sessions and stuff. Uh, so it was really enjoyable. I definitely want to do it again. And so your, your recovery RPE seemed that rate of perceived exertion seemed like you were recovering. Well, how did, would you say the intensity quality that the same effort, the same RPE was felt pre and post creatine? Yeah. So, um, regardless of whether I was on creatine or not, um, I was giving my RPUs about, you know, it was, it was like from a nine to a 10. Like I was pushing myself as hard as I could. Mm -hmm. When I got to the creatine phase, I was able to, to kind of keep it in that extra gear for a little bit longer. Mm. Like, cause, cause I would pick like running on the same track. So I would pick spots where I know like, okay, I'm going to, when I get to this spot, I'm going to try to dig a little bit deeper and, and give it a, an extra kick. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's by the key. Now I'm going to slow down here. Just run to that spot. Like it was a, it was a visual for me, right? Like just run as hard as you can till that spot. Then you can kind of ease off just a little bit because you're almost at the end, but I was able to carry through as the training went on past that visual cue. I was able to carry through and keep going to the very end with, with recovery being faster as well. I'd be interested too, to see even that initial, um, reaction time and the initial acceleration like because i know creatine can be quite optimal for the the power and explosive nature it'd be interesting to see if yeah. the first hundred meters was uh, significantly quicker even with 
with Christian than not. But. Yeah, it would be it would be good to see that. Maybe next time I do it, we'll have to keep track of of other metrics as well, just to see. But I could I can certainly say from you know anecdotally, I guess from how I was feeling, my legs were feeling a lot stronger. Um, I was feeling quicker at the takeoff. Um, yeah, one thing I did notice too, and it, I think it just goes to show how important strength training is. Because when you're when you're sprinting like that, um, you know you're using a lot of upper body stuff and momentum. And I noticed, like especially in the four hundreds, my my deltoids, my shoulders would start to hurt, like they'd fatigue and they'd get sore. So right. I gotta I gotta definitely strengthen up these guys here. <laughs> but uh, um, it was it was definitely noticeable. And I also noticed too, like my core, my my abdomen, my intercostals and stuff, they were very sore after too, um, because I mean you're using it. Right? You're activating so much more, you're recruiting so much more muscle fiber and everything when you're running like this. Yeah, intensity, especially, right? Yeah, exactly. It was it was a great shock to the system, um, a great workout. And um, you know, I will say that for everything I did and and how hard I was working, it really did give me an appreciation for rest days. Because mm. usually, you know, when you're just running for for running, you're not really training specifically for races like on my rest it's like i'll just go out and do an easy 5k or whatever an easy run you know what i mean active recovery active rest whatever you want to call it but on my rest days during these five weeks i did nothing (laughs) like there on my on my week off when i was loading with creatine i really turned the dial back and i just took piper out for a few runs Mm -hmm. right she was kind of a casualty here because um I couldn't take her to like I couldn't take her to the track with me to do this work, right? So she got her rest while I was doing the work. And then when I was getting my quote unquote rest, I got her out for two runs that week. I think it was just, you know, nice and easy stuff. Let my yeah. body recover. But yeah, I did notice, I think, um, in the first session, because this was an intensity I haven't used in such a long time on my right, I think it was on my right quad. I felt a little bit of a stitch in in, in my quad and mm. it wasn't like super painful it's just it was noticeable right. and you know i i took some epsom salt bath some hot tub soaks and uh did some massage and stuff on it and it 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 went away after like by the time i was finished the first phase it wasn't even there anymore it wasn't even a factor right so another idea i have sean for a um if you try the protocol again would be a way to limit energy environmental factors so again, like looking at the treadmill, what about doing a time to exhaustion test where we make it fairly anaerobic? Uh, or you could do a more aerobic and anaerobic test, but let's say you can run at uh, 16 kilometers an hour. Like you set the, or you max out the treadmill speed almost. Yeah. How long can you hold that? Pre- That's pre- a great idea. Right. Like I would say, cause then you don't have any wind factors, rain, snow, whatever if you can use the treadmill with the standard speed and grade for an anaerobic effort and then whatever you think your 5k pace would be can you hold it a minute or two or three minutes longer with creatine yeah that you know what that that is a great idea and you can control everything Mm -hmm. yeah that you know what environment yeah buddy you know what we're gonna we're gonna plan that one out for the next one. Maybe that's a great idea. Sounds good. Oh man. That's so good. Um, measure. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Is then you can measure the exact improvement. Like we're, like we're talking about. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it can be tough when it's more of a field based test, but the training could still be quite field based. 
but just that that testing protocol in particular would be cool to to control as much as possible yeah no absolutely i i 100 agree um one thing i wanted to mention too as well is I, I use an Apple watch for running and I either use, uh, I'll use my Nike running app on that and I'll use my Strava on the phone just to kind of track that stuff. Um, but the Apple watch measures, it gives you a predicted VO two max and leading up to this whole ordeal. Um, my VO two max was kind of plateaued and it was sitting at, um, when I started this, it was at 45.7. Okay. So by the end of the first phase, of the creatine experiment, my VO2 max had climbed up to 46. So just of note, 45.7 was my highest VO2 max that I've had recorded since I've had this watch. Mm -hmm. So 46 was an all time high. And that was all done through training effects. So there was an increase of 0.3 there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so moving in to the second phase with the creatine training, um, I think this is a testament to the creatine helping me out and, and getting, you know, better work with this high intensity stuff because I started off at 46 for the VO2 max. And by the end of my sessions in the second phase, my VO2 max jumped up to 47.1. Hmm. So another all time high, but more, more interestingly is the increase was up by 1.1 versus a, a 0.3 increase. So the increase was actually a lot bigger in the second phase as well. Um, so it's just interesting to see that. Yeah, that's right. And we could even do a, uh, a Bruce protocol VO2 test where you increase uh, on the treadmill every three minutes, you increase the grade. Um, and again, we could see the grade and speeds and see if pre-creatine versus post-creatine. Again, we could track VO2 in, in a standardized test. Are you, gonna tr are you trying to put me in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough to do, uh, to do VO2 testing without the, the oxygen and yeah. measurements. But, um, often I, I think you're right. If you have the, the weight and height in some of the devices, the technology is getting pretty good. So, yeah, it is. And you know, I, <laughs> It's cool. It's a cool number to see. And what the actual value is, I don't put much stock in that because it's predicted. And like I said, it's not a proper test with the oxygen, carbon dioxide and everything. You're not measuring everything as you would in a lab, but it is nice to see whether you're improving it or not. Right. So the value itself doesn't matter, but if you can look at your range of improvement, I think there's some value in that. Yeah. And set goals like on that, uh, some motivation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Numbers are fun, man. I know a lot of people look at their watches and they go on this drive and just, you want to analyze everything and look at it all. It's, it's fun. I get it. I totally get it. I'm always looking at heart rate data from my training sessions and comparing uh, short intervals to long intervals and yeah. responses. So. Yeah. I'm actually thinking. Um, so anyways, Alex, before I get into my next topic, I want to talk about real quick is that's pretty much the data there. And I can say like, even though my 5k time trial, my second one, um, didn't improve, there was, you know, factors out of my control there. I really do feel that my training, um, with the creatine was better. I know there's, there's going to be training effect regardless, right? So if I had trained both these sessions without creatine, I still would be improving along the way, but I think if you look at, at the increments and the percentage and stuff, my improvements were better in the second phase. Right. So, um, overall, I think it was, it was, it was 
it was a good, good experience. I'm definitely going to do it again. Um, I, I would recommend it to anybody out there. Um, if they're looking to kind of get out of a rut and you want to challenge themselves, it's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Just, you just be careful because when you are running at that intensity and stuff, you're, you can be more prone to getting injured. Um, so you want to make sure you're in tip top shape before you do something like that anyways, right? Just my little disclaimer there. Yeah. Have a good warm up too. Oh yeah. Warming up's important too. And, and I, I managed to do that. I think before every run, I, I did at least a minimum of a mile warm up just yeah. at an easy pace, just to kind of, and I hate warming up. I hate stretching and stuff. I just want to get out there and go and get it over with. Yeah. But this what I knew that, you know, because of the effort I'm doing, I don't want to end up hurting nice. myself. So I actually did warm up scouts honor. Nice. <laughs> so I wanted to bring this up to you real quick. My partner that I work with, he's been on the show once a long time ago and his name is Luciano and he's a competitive um, track cyclist. Right. He's at the Velodrome at Milton all the time. He's, he's in the master's class, but uh, very competitive. Like he'll, he'll give guys, you know, 20 years younger than him, a good run for their money. Anyway. So we, we were talking, he's always measuring himself with Watts, right? Like his work and everything. And, you know, so I know about it from him and, and we we were just talking the other day at work, like, you know, I wonder if you could use Watts for like running and stuff. So well, let's go look and Google stuff or whatever. Right. So it turns out now, I guess there's um watches are hitting the market and, they've adapted. It's not quite the same as what you would measure with cycling, but uh, apparently measuring with power for running is, is on the brink of becoming a pretty common thing. With a sensor in the shoe. Yes. Yes. It has a foot pod that it adds on and it gives you, I guess, um, gives you a measurement there to see what your yeah. power output is. So it's pretty interesting stuff. I think I might want to write an article on that to see just to kind of, you know, um, learn myself too, because it's something I don't know too much about. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, and our skiing, it's the same thing, like, and running, it's a balance of tempo and power, right? What's your cadence and turnover? Same with skiing. Like you want the stride to be long enough that you get a bit of that floating time or gliding time, mm -hmm. but not so frequent that you're going to, um, be, be burning out and exhausting the muscle. And it's cool with skiing. Often you, you might've heard of a, a ski erg or a rowing erg where you're, you're, you're doing your double pole technique on um, a standing up, basically a rowing erg upright. So you're able to track your, your force just as you're working. You can give that live feedback, but it's hard when you're on the ski trails to know over that 90 minute ski, are you maintaining the same power output mm -hmm. where as the skier, you get that immediate feedback. So now there's a company pro Skeeta, that are making pole grips that measure, um, your force production. So oh, you no can kidding. Go on a ski trail and have that feedback, except I think it would go to your phone and you'd almost have to look after the fact, right? Maybe it'd be the same with running. It'd be nice if you could almost look at your watch and be like, get that real time feedback. Yeah. Yeah. But I think even if they don't do that, you know, you can, you have the run, you remember what it felt like, and then you can look at the data after, and then you can get a sense or a feel of what you're doing and what your, what your power output is. Right. Yeah. Um, over time. Right. But yeah, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's something new. So I, I find that exciting and, um, you know, so we'll see where I go with that. Oh, that might be my next article. We'll see. Sounds good. And I'm working on hopefully beginning, uh, baking soda protocol high intensity skiing intervals we're looking at baking soda to be, to be um, reduce any metabolic acidosis 
Yeah, that's a it's a great buffer. Yeah, so so it's going to be interesting to see the data. I, I know it's worked with some swimming and running studies, but I want to apply it a little bit to cross country skiing. Absolutely, very applicable. And you know what? It's it's so much fun to just kind of see what you can do with science and with the knowledge that's out there, and and put it into practice in the sport that you love, and and try to give you know find what kind of advantages you can get that are that are legal advantages <laughs> that are breaking any rules, right? But yeah, it's really cool to see things that you can promote in your diet for sure. For sure, uh, absolutely, man. Um, you know, next time I do like a good training block, I'm definitely going to increase my increase my uh, beat intake. Um, yeah. I actually beats are something I try to buy fairly regularly, anyways, because they're good for you. And they're tasty. They're tasty. <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 earthy, but it's good, man. Add a little sour cream onto it, beautiful. <laughs> Any of those leafy greens are, are really high in nitrates as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good stuff, man. So listen, everybody listening to this, um, if you want to check out trailtailsarp.com, you can go back and even read Alex's article on beetroot juice supplementation and all the um, information you found about that. You can check out my article on creatine supplementation and I will be posting up uh, later tonight or tomorrow um, my final report on the creatine experiment as well so everything we kind of talked about I, I did a report on there so you can kind of look at it and have info in front of your face and and see it so I think I might even post up my uh, my spreadsheet that I had um, if anybody kind of wants to try this on their own and, and recreate what I did and see what their numbers are I'll put that up there for everybody too just for fun yeah sounds good yeah get a big sample in the, the spring sometime get david in on it too that would be awesome yeah we'll get the trail tales arp nation out there and we'll get a big sample size it'd be awesome yeah yeah so alex man it's it's been great catching up with you and 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 seeing you again you you know you're so far away now but uh, i'm definitely going to take you up on that cross-country ski ski voyage if you come back for reading week sounds good sean looking forward to it yeah man you can crack the whip and uh you know, we'll, we'll devise some more experiments that we can, that we can work on. It'll be so much fun. For sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So, all right, everybody out there in podcast land, this has been another great coach talk with Sean and Alex. We'll catch you next time. Everybody run wild. Trail Tales ERP now has a brand new YouTube channel. You can head over there through our website and check out all our latest videos. And please don't forget to subscribe. If you could also leave us a review on wherever you get our podcast from, that would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tails underscore ARP. And you can also join our Strava running group at Trail Tales ARP. Thank you so much for your continued support. Run wild.